everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Games Podcast, uh, live for the week of January 11th. Um, this is episode number 154, and Shelf Games is a lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on your digital and physical shelves. My name is John, I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined uh, by David from Relic Entertainment. How are you doing, David? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm uh, fine. It's <clears throat> It's a weird time of year where like... <laughs> You, you just, yeah, you, you have the holidays and you come back and you're just like, man, remember the holidays? Those were great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like, um, cause I actually had, I actually had a pretty good long break because mm-hmm. it took, like Christmas was on the Friday and then we had that full week off between Christmas and new, new year's. And then like you had, like it was bookended by weekends. So you kind I kind of had a full 10 days, but like, I don't know. I feel like when you've been working hard and you're just like in, in the kind of trenches, like head down, trying to get stuff done for the end of the year, it yeah. takes you like six days to like, un- <laughs> like actually unwind and be like, Oh, I can enjoy yeah. my vacation. I'm actually like in vacation mode now. Yeah, exactly. And then it's over. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> like, Oh, well, that was yeah. nice. Uh, so what last people heard from us, we did our game of the year special. And then we took a couple of weeks off just to, get to, to let that breathe and give everyone some time off. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, people can go back and check that out. Be sure to check out the video version of that show because, uh, I do something fun in the, uh, interstitial between each of our, our games that we talk about. Very um, high production quality. I mean, the value is just out of control. Um, so, yes. <laughs> um, before we get to the stuff that we're playing, we got to talk about the news. Um, and, uh, first things first, I wanted to talk about, a piece from Bloomberg where they looked at sort of they did like an oral history of uh, the the original Xbox and there's some really interesting tidbits including this one which I think the headline says it all for itself uh, Nintendo once laughed Xbox ex- execs out of the room over a Microsoft acquisition offer that's kind of the story um, but <laughs> so so <laughs> um uh so i think the the, the quote here from uh this piece by uh megan frockmanish on um uh the verge uh she says the original xbox was known as midway or coffin box to some uh, according to xbox technology officer uh, seamus blackley because they worried that it would fail and end their career at microsoft um <laughs> yeah that's that's quite quite a lot to chew on just right there <laughs> uh, she, she was yeah, so, like i wonder if people were put on that team mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. there, there must be some people who who like really were like yeah yeah let's do this it'll be great but i bet yeah. some people got put on it <laughs> if uh, that's how they were referring to it yeah they, they go on to say uh, as part of an effort to lock in exclusive games microsoft tried to acquire companies like electronic arts midway games and square uh, Kevin Backus, uh, director of third-party relations, says that president and later Microsoft St- CEO Steve Ballmer also made the team meet with Nintendo. Their pitch revolved around the technical powers of the Xbox. It did not go as planned. Quote, they just laughed their asses off, Backus told Bloomberg. Like, imagine in an hour of somebody just laughing at you. That was kind of how the meeting went. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Like could, I, I don't know what you, what your thoughts were when you heard this story, David. But could, like, could you just imagine like a bunch of you know Japanese dudes sitting at a table at Nintendo laughing at all these Americans that came over? I it would it would be a nightmare. I it would <laughs> honestly be one of your like anxiety dreams of like okay, but it's like 
like what's the worst that can happen and then mm-hmm. like that that's one of the options like <laughs> that's one of the options of the worst that can happen is that they just laugh at you yeah like at least if you came without your pants there would be a reason uh, some other reason why they were laughing at you but no it's just your ideas yeah um yeah i i, I think like in hindsight like it's it's hard to remember that like the the xbox was a pipe a pipe dream like when when they first announced it like it For was sure. it was nintendo and it was sony and that was like it like sure there there was like sega you know messing around with like the dreamcast and some other stuff but like yeah sega wasn't like totally out of the mm-hmm. game or like i guess i guess the dreamcast had failed by that point right i believe so yeah so yeah. so they were they, they they were still a name and probably on but, their way yeah. out but but like Microsoft People were still playing their Dreamcasts at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like Microsoft obviously <laughs> was known for operating systems and like you know PCs and Microsoft Word. So for them to be like, we've got the next gen gaming console that is more powerful than anything. Um, and for Nintendo, I, I mean, there are two sides. But yeah, of this. because like, it's a computer that you lay yeah. on its side. That's yeah. all it was. <laughs> And on top of that, like, like I think what history has shown is that Nintendo doesn't give a shit, like, who has the most powerful console, right? Like, Nintendo yeah. is in the business of making um, interesting toys, you know? Like, like their their market has always been children, and, you know, sure, they, they, they have certain products that appeal to a wide, wide range of folks, like Animal Crossing or Zelda or what have you. But, like, they're, like, they, they take chances on what is you know, convenient for the consumer, what is interesting, what is, what is new, what is exciting. Um, they try and push technology in interesting different ways, but the, you know, they don't care about like who's got the most teraflops or anything like that. And, and again, like, I think this, that this last generation has sort of proved that out. Yeah. they. Yeah. The, the, in, in the article, they, they definitely talk, go into how, like you definitely forget that Microsoft was boring. Like it was oh, yeah. just a boring, it was Excel and Word, and it was just an office thing. Like the idea of like the Microsoft Xbox would be would be kind of laughable. Mm-hmm. And then they got Dwayne the Rock Johnson to show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw, but they they actually did something with him for the Series X, I believe, sort of being like did they? Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, this was this like laughable moment like ages ago with this terrible outfit that I was wearing, announcing the Xbox, and here I am again talking about the new one. Um, I'll maybe I'll maybe link that in the Discord because it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it. It definitely like came came together in the last moments. It feels like for Xbox, like they ha- they got like like clinching that Halo IP mm. was was the saving grace i think at that point because it, it had some other games when it launched like there there were some like there were some good games on there but as far as exclusives go um i'm trying to think like halo odd world i remember like i remember uh, like abe from abe's odyssey was like yeah. on all of the advertisements crimson skies was that a launch title yeah crimson skies that's right yeah. that was one um God, yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of like what the other like big name launch titles were, and keeping in mind that at that point, Halo wasn't going to be, wasn't, or I guess Halo wasn't known to be the console seller at that mm-hmm. point. It was yeah. just like Bungie's next game, and like, yeah, of course, Bungie makes good games. Like that wasn't, you know, that wasn't like a huge risk that, that their game wouldn't sell, but it wasn't like, you know, 
what Halo is now, which is like course, the ubiquitous yeah. like flagship franchise of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I couldn't fucking imagine going <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, I, I just like that. That would be a nightmare. That would be an absolute nightmare. Is the mm-hmm. idea like I like. I, I know you've got in front of people and presented things. I've got in front of people and presented things. Honest to God, that would that's on the list of the worst things that could happen. Yeah, you absolutely. Go and you tell them what your idea is, and everybody's just like, oh, what? Like, yeah. Oh, no. Like, I, 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 just, I, just think, I just think about all the presentations I've given, and, like, you know, you're always nervous, and you always put a lot of time and effort into them. And, you know, usually – you know, if you're doing it internally, it's like sort of a bit of a friendly audience. So if you screw up, like no one's going to like, you know, publicly shame you or mm-hmm. anything like that. Or like, you know, I've gone into classrooms and, and, and given presentations there. And, you know, so, so, you know, th- there obviously is like nerves anytime you do something like this. But imagine like spending like years working on this project, putting together pr- your presentation, booking a flight to Japan. <laughs> a, a, a project that, as apparently we've seen, your career may or may not depend on. Yeah. <laughs> the success of this project uh, may dictate how long you continue to work at Microsoft. Yeah. And then just all these execs yeah. just laughing in your face. I just, I couldn't God. imagine. It's, it's that what? I, I'm, I'm glad that we're hearing these stories now because I'm sure there are a million stories like this in game development that we, we sure. just haven't heard. Um, but yeah. Do you do you have a worst presentation that you've given? Oof. I I, I don't, don't think know. I've been I, I haven't been laughed off the stage mm-hmm. before. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of like what my worst presentation was. I'm 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 thinking about uh when I was in the military and I was doing what we call like junior leadership courses where you you sort of go from being like a junior member, like a private corporal and you, and you start moving into like the NCO ranks. And I was doing like all the prep courses for that. And I was teaching drill and I had to teach a, a, a drill maneuver that I had never been taught myself. It was like, it was like change step on the March with a rifle. And it was like the most complicated, absurd shit ever. Um, you, you just do it intuitively if, you, if you're used to like marching in formation. You just kind of like quickly like shuffle steps so you can catch up and, and actually be on the right step. Um, but this is like a whole like breakdown maneuver. You have to like go like step one, step two, step three, four, five, six, seven. And I was demonstrating it and I screwed up and I screamed at the top of my lungs, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, let me tell you, I did not get a passing grade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I, I think I've thought of my worst presentation because it's almost as bad as getting laughed off the stage, except nobody mm. was laughing. So it was just awkward. Yeah. Um, but it was at VFS and uh, it the was Vancouver Film after, School. Yeah, Vancouver Film School, which is where I took uh, game design. Um, and so what I was doing at that point was I was pitching. Um, you kind of have like a midterm uh, game that you make after there's six terms and after term three you get into small little groups and you um or like leading up to term three you get into small groups you make a little game 2d 2d game it's the the 2d project um and then you uh present it and you present it to the whole school so that you know there's there's like a hundred ish i think I mean, kind of varies, but you know, like around that many people, it's like a full, full room of full of people. Like they kind of make an event out of it on purpose. Yeah. Um, and for, 
for various reasons that I'm not going to get into, we did not have a, an amazing project <laughs> and an amazing <laughs> game. Um, and we had two months to work on it and we presented it and, you know, we go through, we explain the mechanics, do a little demo, that, that whole thing, just like, you know, like you'd see it E3 or whatever you get on stage and you show off the game. Um, and it was just, it was just fucking crickets. And I was like, like nobody said anything like when we were done. And I literally went, I was like, uh, so that's it. <laughs> and then it was just like a smattering, like, you, like, you know, <laughs> six people in the audience, yeah. like across the just, <laughs> and like, as I walk by, um, or like as we're walking off stage, I heard some one of the teachers, one of the teachers in the front row say they had two months and they made that. And oh. I just went, I'm going to go fucking kill myself. Excuse <laughs> me. And I just, <laughs> I just walked off the stage up past the audience and kept going. <laughs> oh, yikes. Oh, I feel for you. That is that is rough. Picked it up for the next project. That was yeah. a, I. Don't worry, y'all. I, I did pass game design, but, <laughs> but that, I'm sure, I'm that sure project that... was not the good one. That yeah, was a let, bad one. But let, yeah, let's... in front, and it was like he said it in like a stage whisper. Like I wasn't yeah. beside him. Like people yeah. heard him say that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um, well, well let, let's just clarify. David has had a, a pretty good career in game design <laughs> thus, thus far. Um, Here's the thing. You got to make shit games to know how to make better ones. <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. Everybody's got a real shit game on their list that they're not proud of. <laughs> That's um, mine. <laughs> speaking of games that you're not proud of, CD Projekt has been in the news for a bit. <laughs> um, so, David, I think we touched on this a little bit before we did our Game of the Year show. Uh, obviously, um, the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 was hotly anticipated and arrived pretty... Uh, pretty fast uh, pretty pretty hot and uh the reception was not great um obviously that they, they encountered mixed, no- i believe is how steam puts it yeah mixed to poor uh i, I think you know obviously they, they encountered a number of you know bugs and you know i think some people built that game up in their heads to be something that it wasn't you know I, i've heard a lot of comparisons to just like oh it's a it's a new fallout you know it's just a new fallout game you know um, but because it was coming from a city project in Poland who had amassed so much goodwill with the Witcher games, with their storefront GOG, um, there, I think that there just was a lot, a lot of expectations on this. Um, so I, I pulled up this, yeah. uh, this piece from Nicole Carpenter over at Polygon, uh, who, who dives into what sort of happened in the last couple of weeks in December. Um, and the title of, of her piece is, uh, CD Projekt has blown years worth of goodwill in a week, uh, botched Cyberpunk 2077 launching now problems with devotion. Um, so for those that don't know, um, devotion was a Taiwanese horror game, um, that briefly was released earlier in the year and then was uh, taken down, I, I think, in February uh, from Steam because uh, it was only there for six days before it was taken down because it was discovered that there was an Easter egg in the game depicting um, the uh, president of China, uh, Xi Jinping, um, in a unflattering manner. There, there's a meme about comparing him to Winnie the Pooh, which is basically forbidden in, in mainland China. Um and anyone who references it or use, utilizes it is anathema to, to, to the government there. So 
Um, they lost their business license, I believe, in the country, and and uh, a number of storefronts delisted their game because it could not be sold um, in in China. Uh, so I'm just going to read a, a couple of paragraphs here, just so I don't uh, screw up any of uh, the details. Um, but uh, so th- this was the the game Devotion was developed by Indie Event Indie Event Indie Event. Um, they lost their business license in China. Uh, Red Candle Games, uh, I believe, was the publisher, and they apologized, calling the inclusion of the meme a careless and unprofessional act. Uh, it got a physical release in Taiwan, um, but aside from that, uh, it's been sort of quiet from them. But uh, before uh, the launch of Cyberpunk, um, it was announced, or they announced that that the game was going to be listed on uh, Good Old Games or GOG. Um, but then. Uh, good old games sort of recanted that and, and said that they would not be um, listing the game um, and they would be sort of blocking it on the platform. Um, so th- what they said is that they received many quote, many messages from gamers about the plans to bring that game to GOG, which influenced their decision to, to take it down um, or to block it before the, it was even put up. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are sort of looking at that and saying, well, that was either a corporate decision because, uh, GOG didn't want to piss off, um, you know, the Chinese government, um, or it's, you know, uh, who knows, but, but basically they're basically saying that like the reason that, that, um, GOG and say the project gave was not great or almost fat. You know, there was insinuation that was fabricated. So mm-hmm. pairing that with the fact that in the past GOG was seen as a very open platform, they were very like anti digital rights management or DRM, like saying like, Hey, you don't have to worry about like your games communicating with us to verify that, that they're you know, legitimate. Like we, we sell you legitimate copies of the games and you can do with it what you will. You don't have to worry about DRM. Um, so, so they really have built themselves as like for the gamers, like we're the platform for the gamers. We are the publisher for the gamers. So for them to mishandle this um, listing with uh, devotion. Um, and again, some might say really mishandling the launch of uh, city project or sorry of, of, cyberpunk 2077 um it's it's been a real bad week and i think they've really burned up a lot of the goodwill that they had established over like the last decade um and and on top of that like you know david we we mentioned that like regardless of all of this the game has already recouped its um development budget in like a couple days or a day and whatever it was which is absurd considering the amount of money and marketing that was pumped into this thing um so it's a lot, it's a lot to unpack. Um, but David, what did you think sort of taking a look at recent events? Um, and, uh, again, just sort of that, that core idea of them burning up all the goodwill that they had spent like a decade plus establishing. Um, I feel like, I feel like as far as fans go and as far as players go, I think a vast majority of players don't, even know who made cyberpunk 2077 right like that's that's usually how it goes is like like we talk a lot about the companies because we're like invested in that mm-hmm. obviously but um i i i feel i feel like they the the people who were already on the fence about c project red's attitudes and business practices so far leading up to cyberpunk punk 2077 were i mean this additional thing isn't going to make much of a difference to them because they've already decided not to and the people who like them 
and are just going to play the game because they like the game, you know, that they're going to go on like that too. I would say that they, um, they may have burned bridges with people like Sony. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, again, if you don't remember, they basically said, Hey, you can go to the platform that you purchased the game from and get a refund. And Sony was just like, we didn't say that. <laughs> we don't give refunds. Yeah. So. And, and then they delisted the game because they could not in good conscience continue to sell something that was essentially deemed broken. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, I think like in a professional capacity, like that's where some of the bridges may have been burned. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is that they just made so much money that yeah. like, you know, and the reality is, is like whatever their next game is, it's not like Sony's not going to sell whatever their next game is, right? Yeah. Like Sony's going to sell it. And Sony, like at some point, Cyberpunk is going to go back on the, um, the PlayStation store or marketplace or whatever they call it. Um, because they'll have fixed it up enough. Um, this, I, I was kind of reading through this, this article again and, and them not distributing devotion is, is kind of an interesting one too. Cause yeah, GOG is, yeah, it definitely has this sort of attitude of being like, no, like we're, we're here for the players kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. We're not trying, you know, we're the cool friend yep. and then, you know, they're not going to distribute this because like it might kind of fuck with their chances of selling cyberpunk in china mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um uh in this article pointing out somewhat correctly that in order to even be sold in china they're going to have to change a lot about cyberpunk because right. so much of that game is kind of actively critiquing a lot of things that are going on in china mm-hmm. and the u.s to be fair but like also definitely china yeah but um, just like even, even like the graphic <laughs> content would have to be like changed exactly. substantially right um, which is just like another one of those, <laughs> like it's a corporation that's making this game. That's like objectively has an anti-corporate message and like the most not cyberpunk thing ever would be like removing the drug alcohol and like adult <laughs> content from your game in order to sell it to a wider market. Yeah. Which um, is, always, I mean, whatever it's, it's fine. I think uh, like they have a ton of negativity right now, but I, I really do feel like this is going to be something that, blows over whatever their their next game is they're gonna start throwing coal in the hype train engine and people are going to get hyped up for it even with all this happening i think i think in a couple months people are a couple months they're gonna have fixed all their bugs and people are gonna really have forgotten that this happened yeah i'm I'm waiting for the the piece that comes out like this coming summer that's just like cyberpunk is good now um right right you know like it's it's they turned it around can you believe it right Um, just take all of the no man's sky articles and just like find and replace (laughs) cyberpunk 2777 and yeah um and and i think you know like you said they're gonna start getting the hype going for their next project, whatever that may, may be, you know, another Witcher game, maybe it's something else in this universe in, in cyberpunk. And they're this time they'll get two Keanu Reeveses and you know, both of them. Yes. It's going to be absolutely wild. Um, I, I think that the other interesting aspect of this is like, yes, the, the, the game has recouped all of its development costs. It's making boatloads and boatloads of money, just like the Witcher three did. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing, I believe the the differentiating factor between that game and this game is that the pu- company is now public and they have shareholders. And every time they have announced a delay, the shares have dipped. And 
after, I, I believe the week of or or in in the, the couple of weeks after the launch, the shares dramatically dipped. I think it went from like thirty yeah. to like ten or twelve or something. Um, did they bounce? I actually don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I have to double check that. But um, so, so so don't take my word for it. But but the interesting thing here is I'm surprised no one has fallen on their sword yet. I'm surprised no execs have fallen on their sword over the launch of this game. Um, to sort of be offered up to the shareholders because I'm sure they are freaking clamoring for it. Um, but I don't know. I'm sure there, there are a lot of details about this that we don't necessarily know. Um, you know, I, whether it was the shareholders or the execs themselves pushing to get this, this, you know, game out and, and in people's hands, whether it had to be out by the end of, of the calendar year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, there are a lot of details that we're missing, but I'll, I'll be curious to see, what happens at that studio how it gets shook up in uh in the coming months if people are asked to leave if they take a nice retirement uh package if they bring in new, new folks to sort of turn the ship around and we'll start seeing oh, those like, articles as well can you off the top of your head name one person at I, I, can, Red? I can see the dude's face i think it's Anjay something something um but yeah, point that, is, yeah. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people can't, and if you can't point a finger at somebody, they're not going to be made to step down. That's just not going to happen, right? Um, also, recommend people just search CD Projekt Red stock in Google and look at their stock price and switch it to one year, and what you're going to see is basically an emotional beat chart for their marketing <laughs> campaign, including the post-launch reaction. It has not bounced back, by the way. Um, Yikes. I'm, was, yeah, I'm looking at this now. This is this is rough. It was lower in in March though than it is now. It just like dropped, which I think was their was that their first that, that must have been their face of a, of a delay. Yeah, that must have been the first uh, delay announcement. I imagine it is worth noting. But then click to five years, and sorry for everybody who's not looking at this, but it's basically uh, it, like over overall, it's just yeah. increased over time. I yeah, mean, that, that, that's Dave, even if you look at like what 2017 versus now they've increased by five times. That's including the recent like extreme drop. So they're fine. Yeah, totally fair. <laughs> like, totally fair. They're fine. Um, we're, obviously this is just, the news du jour. And like you said, I think um, six months, 12 months from now, we're not going to even be talking about it anymore, but um, David, we need content for the podcast. Stop, stop sabotaging the podcast. I, John, I would love a podcast where we dive into the statistics of games. I don't know that anybody (laughs) else does, but I would love to just pull up some charts and let's talk about stats. Well, David, let me tell you, you're in luck (laughs) because Nielsen uh, released segue or what y'all that was was pretty good because Nielsen released um, their uh, their data their for their 2020 year in review uh, for digital and interactive media. Um, so, uh, it's a pretty short sort of summary of, of their findings. Um, I've got a, one of the slides up on, on, on the live stream and video right now, if, if folks want to take a look at that. Um, right, I, I, I th- here. yeah, I think if you just Google like super data, you know, games and interactive media 2020, you should be able to find it. Um, but some really, really interesting, um, trends and stats and, and, and numbers that, that we're sort of seeing. Uh, from 2020, uh, obviously that this was the the year that the pandemic hit in in full force, um, and as a result, a, a lot of people 
were looking to digital hobbies to keep them um, busy, to take their mind off of things, uh, you know, to keep them inside, to keep them interacting with with their friends and, and family. Um, and, and that's really reflected in the numbers here. So just really, really high level. Uh, what they say, you know, games and interactive media uh, in total – earned 139.9 billion US dollars in 2020. Uh, so that includes uh, mobile at 73 billion, uh, PC at 33 billion, console 19 billion, uh, game video content, which is 9.3 billion, and um, you know virtual reality and, and augmented reality at 6.7 billion. Um, also, the, they, they note that the games and interactive media industry grew 12% year over year. Um, so again, that's that's a pretty huge boost. Over half of U.S. residents played video games as a result of the first phase of COVID nineteen lockdowns. Um, what they call the premium games market uh, grew twenty eight percent in twenty twenty. So I think that's what we would normally think of as like AAA video games. Um, Free to play games once again generated the vast majority seventy eight percent of games revenue, with Asian markets accounting for fifty nine percent of free to play earnings. Um, which yeah, is that all tracks. Yep, totally, totally on point. Um, gaming video content became a 9.3 billion industry in 2020, reaching 1.2 billion viewers. Um, so that includes stuff like Twitch, YouTube, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I, we, we can dive into some of this data a little bit more, but like just top level, David, what were your original thoughts sort of seeing some of those big numbers? Um, I mean... It's, I mean, it, it's one of those things where like once it gets, once you start talk, talking billions of dollars, like conceptually, it, it's, it's so big that it's like, yeah, I get it. It's huge. I don't, the fact that it's like 9% more huge doesn't really, it's yes, <laughs> it's the biggest we get it, you know? So like, that's, that's not super surprising to me. Um, I think honestly, like the, I'd have to look, but I, I feel like, um, where it say, uh, yeah, in Asia, fifty nine percent of total worldwide free to play earnings, um, yeah, came came from Asia. Um, I feel like that's down. I feel like it used to, to be that, yeah. more from Asia. I would like to. I, I I'd want to go back and look at that. I might be wrong, but about that, but the majority has like always mm-hmm. um, free to play. They just have like a different relationship with phone games than we do. Right. Um, and you're starting to see that now, um, really coming in, and you're seeing that in. Uh, what like the top uh, free to play title is like um, both of which are 10 cent by the way everybody if you play yeah. a game 10 cent yeah. is probably related to it in some way just sorry so everybody, I, I, I'm, I'm actually like actually, that umbrella corporation behind yeah, everything I, I'm, I'm actually going to go down to the slide that you're talking about on the video here uh, so this is um, yeah. the top 10 free to play titles 2020 and, and they're mostly mobile um, so the first two that you mentioned from Tencent are Honor of Kings and Peacekeeper Elite games. I had to Google because I'd never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, Honor of Kings. Have you heard of League of Legends? It's that. <laughs> it, it's that. Yeah. Um, but it's on mobile. Um, Peacekeeper Elite. I actually didn't even look up Peacekeeper Elite. Um, Roblox makes sense. Free Fire. I don't know what that is, but Free Fire. I'm pretty sure it's a sniper game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me just Google it. Um, yeah, and j- just under Free Fire is Pokemon Go, League of Legends, Candy Crush Saga, AFK Arena, uh, which obviously sounds like a idle game, uh, Gardenscape's New Acres, which again I'd never heard of, and Dungeon Fighter Online. So, so again, I just think showing that like 
Sometimes we, we, we feel very North American and European centric when we're talking about the games industry. And it's important to keep in mind and, and, and understand the context of that. Like there are whole markets where there are games that are just eating the yeah. lunch of North America and Europe combined, just the stuff that we'd never heard of. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and it's, it's worth noting that like this top 10 list, um, it's only very recently that games like clash of clans have been kicked off of it. Yeah. Um, in fact, is there a, is there, there isn't a super giant game on that list, which is, um, wait, super giant, um, not super giant. What am I thinking of? Supercell. Supercell. Supercell yeah. game. Yep. Um, God, I'd love if a super giant game got on that list. Um, <laughs> No, Supercell game uh, is isn't on that list, which is um, kind of crazy. Although this is a top ten of all games, like it doesn't, it's not like segmenting yeah. mobile versus triple um, yeah. A. Um, but a lot of those games you'll you'll recognize, like they're just these evergreen games. Pokemon Go. I mean, like I I know that probably a lot of people like to think that Pokemon Go is dead and that like nobody's playing it, but that's not true. Like yeah. tons of people are still playing that game. Um, Candy Crush. Candy Crush Saga is, as much as I hate to say it, measured this way, probably the greatest game of all time, mm-hmm. right? Like, which is ridiculous because it's bejeweled. But, <laughs> like, how does bejeweled feel? Yeah. It's just like, ah, oh, we, we went gems. We should have gone candy. Who the <laughs> fuck knew? Um, no, 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 for, for sure. And, 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 like, to your point, it, it's when I look at these games, I'm just like, oh, these are games for normies. You know, these, these are the games that like everyone and their dog installs on their phone. Cause they want someone, something when they're commuting or they're at the and dentist office or, or they're popular because you know, that, everyone and their dog is playing them. Yeah. And if, I mean, here's the thing, if they're free to play games and you can play that game and spend a dollar, mm-hmm. but if you get a billion people to spend $1, yep. You're doing you get a billion dollars. Yeah. So yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what that goal is, is um, just. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And I think like by, by comparison, if we, if we go down a couple of slides to the uh, premium game charts, um, the, the, the one topping that in 2020 was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, and that starts at 1.9 billion. Um, whereas, you know, the, 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 uh, a free to play title game, it, that that would only put it sort of in the mid tier, yeah. right? Um, so so the reason is why these are premium games is because you have an upfront cost before you you know you're paying into battle passes and microtransactions and whatnot. Um, I think the interesting thing here is um, uh, so so they, they note that you know premium titles account for thirty four percent of total premium market earnings. Um, you know, Call of Duty Warfare rose to become the highest earning premium game of 2020 uh, because it shifted to its hybrid model in March when it released Warzone, obviously, which we have talked ad nauseum about on the show. Uh, So it's free to play, lower barrier to entry so people can just jump in. It's cross-platform on like, you know, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Um, So just that that ease of entry and and allowing people to pay into it, um, obviously just shot it up to 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 the top of the premium charts. Uh, below it, FIFA 20, Grand Theft Auto 5. When did that come out? Um, NBA 2K21, NBA 2K20, uh, Black Ops Cold War, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Cyberpunk 2077, Sims 4, and Doom Eternal. Um, so kind of an interesting list. Again, you can see that like microtransactions are 
making people money. That's why they keep doing it. That's why you have battle passes. That's why you have season passes. It's because you want that. Um, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, where revenue continues to trickle in. What's the word? I can't think of it. Live ops. What do you? I mean, live ops is is, is live ops, but but uh, there's a different phrase I was I was trying to think of. Um, something something revenue. You know what I'm talking about? I'll I think should. about. It. <laughs> I I I'm gonna. It's gonna come to me like immediately once we finish the show. Recurring revenue. Boom. There we got there. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Um. So yeah. So obviously, recurring revenue uh, models are are what. Uh, is making money, and, and that's why people keep keep doing it. Uh, was there anything that popped out to you from this list here, David, of the premium titles? I mean, Grand Theft Auto's in third place. <laughs> I just because, like, I I mean, I still play that game. Like, I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised because I still play that game. But I think it, it's super super important for everybody to understand that that game is rife with hackers. I. Yeah, whatever. I'll say this online. Um, I have received money from hackers so many times in that game. I've never personally hacked the game, but like, yeah. they're like, it's to the point where the hackers they just are like give so it away ubiquitous in the game. Yeah, that they're not even hacking to fuck with you. They're hacking to act like like beneficent gods in the game, <laughs> where they just like literally shower, like they fly planes by just showering with money, and you pick it up and you just make you know a million dollars. Like they're like, there's a time where like if Taylor and I were playing. Uh, he would he would like text me and be like, "Dude, log on. There's a hacker in my server." Like, and, we, and <laughs> we'd go in to be like, "Yeah, give us money." <laughs> um, and even with that, it's people are still just spending money on it. It's yeah. it's wild, which is probably why they're not like super. Why they probably don't like really feel like they need to fix it because mm-hmm. it's not broken. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, if you if you're yeah. using that as a money faucet, it is definitely not broken. You don't need a plumber. Um, but 2013's Grand Theft Auto Five is what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, I ended. Um, the other thing I, I want to point out is like NBA 2K20, NBA 2K21, Sims Four. Um, those are ones that stand out on the list for me because I know that they received a lot of bad press um, for their microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Um, I there is a there is a core fan base I think that like really really didn't like that I I know like 2K20 I think like really got some heat for that because they yep. um I it was either 2K19 or 2K20 that added actual like advertisements in the game and like you know the spin like literal like spin the wheel and and like all kinds of microtransactions like every haircut and every everything was a microtransaction it's the same with Sims 4 like that they've just been releasing more and more and more and more content and I know, like, I know that there is a, there amongst people who pay attention, not just to like the one game that they play, but to games in general, who are kind of see games as a hobby, the kind of people who are listening to this podcast, obviously, and us and, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing um, might kind of see, see only that kind of negative outcry. Um, the reality is, is that it's super fucking successful yep. because these are, these are, top 10 games as far as revenue goes like when is the last time you thought about the sims (laughs) because i'll tell you it was pretty recently for a lot of people and because that's the game they play they Mm -hmm. every like there are people who like you know we play games people on this list play the sims that's what they play they play nba 2k21 that's the game they play and that's it 
Yeah, and absolutely. They're t- they're probably kind of cool with the fact that yeah, like yeah, there's microtransactions, but they probably don't care that much because that's their one you know game that they're like super hyper focused on, and so like mm-hmm. they don't mind spending a little extra money on it. Kind of maybe unlike us because our money needs to be spread across a bunch of games because we kind of just have this wider hobby of games. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and, it's like a little harder to justify microtransactions, but yeah, it's just, just whenever you see negative press about, about, you know, games like this and, and how people don't like it. Remember there's a whole nother world of players that are totally cool with it. Yeah, like that's yeah. just, you need to remember that. Like the voices you hear that are angry about it. Cyberpunk is another one. Like, I bet there's people playing cyberpunk who don't know that there is like this wide outcry about the launch of cyberpunk. Oh, and they're yeah, just playing 100%. the game and they're like, Oh, there's some bugs mm-hmm. yeah. and they're, and they're just playing the game and having fun. Right. Yeah, no, for so, sure. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's funny. You reminded me of a conversation we had months ago about like battle pass fatigue, you know, but, it, but it's because we try to engage with the, whatever the new hot new game is or, or just, you know, things that we're passionate about. And, and we do have, mm-hmm. like you said, this wider hobby of like playing a lot of different types of games, you know, where, whereas like you said, like people that got FIFA 20 to number two on this premium list only play FIFA 20, you know, that's, that's probably it. You know, and they may, they may play that in call of duty. Awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, they're like, Oh sick. Like this game that I already play all the time. I get more shit just for playing all the time. Yeah. Great. Or, or again, or, or again, like The Sims Four, it's like, oh, they keep putting out stuff packs and expansion packs, and you know, mm-hmm. the, the, all these little things that, that I can invest money in, and just keep playing The Sims because I have new things to engage with. Um, so yeah, that that I found really really interesting. Um, the, the the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is um, uh, the stats that they had around gaming video content for 2020. Um, so they said that that genre of content um, generated over nine billion in 2020, especially as people or you know locked inside uh viewership sort of ballooned as, as a result of uh social and party party games you know they they specifically call it stuff like fall, fall guys and among us mm-hmm. um interesting thing about this chart david if people are looking at the video twitch 22% youtube 18% other 60% so what i think that other is uh i i believe it is encompassing a lot of the major uh chinese uh video streaming platforms um, because those aren't they're like they're, they're represented in the data, but, but they're not necessarily calling them out in this report, which is made for a more Western audience. Um, so I kind of want to get those stats and dive into them a little bit more because I'm very curious about like what, you know, yeah, when it just, it tells you how like Western focused it is that it's 60% and still labeled other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, is it other at that point? Yeah, but but interestingly enough, or, and, and again, like it's important to remember that this is uh, revenue generated by each platform. This this chart that 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 we're looking at, and not necessarily mm-hmm. like total viewership or total like hours. I think Twitch announced that they had surpassed like oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like one point something billion hours watched this year. Um, I, I'm gonna find find the article as we we uh, keep talking here. Um, but the the other interesting thing is, um, you know, Mixer tried to have a bit of a push to, 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 you know, put some some competition on the market. They they stole away a bunch of big names. Those contracts, you know, got sort of torn up as Mixer went under. They those big name stars went back to Twitch, which give, give giving the platform a bit of a boost. Again, the pandemic saw Twitch's numbers kind of uh, rise. Uh, did did you have any sort of interesting? 
um, thoughts when, when you were looking at the gaming video content um, slide here, David? Um, it's lame, but no, I didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it and I went, oh, that makes sense. And I just yeah. kind of scrolled by. <laughs> I was yeah. far. I mean, I I was far more looking at like the the mobile revenue and stuff that that for sure always piques my interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, well, well, was there was there anything else in the um, um, in, in the report overall that that you uh, had had thoughts about? Um, no my my overall my overall feeling it was just like um. Because I'm out of mobile, I, I just don't pay attention to mobile games at all anymore. And this was, this was just a reminder that, that like, remember everybody, most people play mobile games. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where it's at. Most people are playing free to play mobile games. That's that is where our industry is. Um, and this is just like a stark reminder of that. Um, and also just like. I mean, I, I kind of thinking about that uh, as well as just like sometimes I it, it's always funny, like I would describe myself as like a core gamer, right? Like mm-hmm. if you want to think about like casual gamers versus core gamers. And yet, as far as like the numbers go on this chart, my interests are not the top representation at all. Right. Um, when it comes to the games that are being played. Um, I mean, I guess in the premium titles, it is kind of but but. Um, even then there like, there's a lot of games on that list that I just don't know anything about. Um, I mean, I know about them, but I, you know, I just don't play them, I guess. And even then with, with the, uh, with Twitch and YouTube, and it was talking about, um, you know, kind of the, the big, uh, they say mainstream celebrities, um, with, uh, like the collaborations and stuff they do, like the tr- Fortnite Travis Scott concert. They, they talk mm-hmm. a little bit in this. And it's just like, I'm, I didn't, I didn't watch that at all. And like, I'm just not involved with that. And, and, and so I guess, I, I guess reading this kind of reminded me that like, oh yeah, I know that like, I know that core gamers like to think that that's like the core voice of the industry and, and, and that like, those are the interests that are, that are the most kind of like keyed in. And that's just really not the case at yeah. all. There's like gaming is for everybody at mm-hmm. this point and there are so many different kind of slices of that pie that really don't even need to interact with each other anymore like it is a huge industry it is absolutely massive at this point with all mm-hmm. kinds of different focuses for people who uh play these games uh, whatever those games might be and and that's that's kind of something that's really interesting when you look at data like this uh yeah 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 for sure um, anyways, that's it for the news this week. Uh, we got real nerdy about some numbers, um, <clears throat> but um, let's get some. Let's get nerdy about some video games. Um, first things first, uh, David, you you had Assassin's Creed Valhalla on your list. I know you've been spending a lot of time with this, and, and you are usually the one to bring these more recent iterations of Assassin's Creed to the show. I, I know you really dug Origins and Odyssey. So, uh, what 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 are your thoughts on uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla? It's real fun. Cool. (laughs) Next. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, we, uh, yeah, I, um, I've kind of mentioned it before. I think, um, Valhalla is a, is a smaller game is a more focused game. I think I've talked before about 
how Odyssey, as much as I liked it, is a big game. Yeah. Like there's like that's that's actually bordering on there's too much to do in this game. And it's too big. I spent hundreds of hours playing that game. Completed a good portion of it. Uh, but there's still air like not just like quests that I haven't completed, but like areas of the map that I've barely, you know, explored. Yeah. Um and it's not like I didn't try. <laughs> but Valhalla um is a much, much smaller game. It is a much, much smaller map. But in doing that, I think they were able to create something that is a little saying it's saying it's like higher quality, I think is not the right way of putting it. Um, but you're just everything feels a little bit more connected, maybe okay. is 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 a way of putting it. Like you things seem more consequential, maybe is is a way of putting it. Um, as far as quest content goes and, and as far as your role in the story, um, with Origins and Odyssey, you're sort of this roaming hero, right? You don't really have a home base. You have like a place you started, right? Um, but you don't have a home base, right? You, you're just, you're roaming around. You're either a mercenary or a sheriff basically. And and you're just like from town to town dispensing justice as you see fit. And you're kind of riding off to the sunset afterwards, um, which is great. I did not enjoy that. Um, but in Valhalla, they, you're not that. You have a home base. You have this little town uh, that you are trying to build up by, Rating and the story, like you're trying to either fight or kind of ally with the surrounding um, kingdoms in England because you're trying to like get some room for your your town and your people to actually grow and live there. Like you're not just right. you're not just rolling through town and and never going to that place again. It's like you're you're here and you're trying to actually like live and make a life for yourself. And so because of that, all the things that you do just feel so much more grounded i guess and kind of like i said connected to everything that's going on like there is a there is an ultimate goal for what you're doing that's Mm -hmm. more than just kill the people that destroyed your family which is both odyssey and (laughs) vol or both odyssey and origins i mean yeah um whereas this one it definitely has like a more um kind of positive goal I guess. Um, and you can come back to your town and everybody knows you and you're, you talk to them and they give you little quests sometimes. And, and, and it feels, it actually feels like you're kind of like growing this town and you have this, um, community that you're a part of. And also you can decorate it with trees. (laughs) Um, I mean, I use trees. You can actually decorate it with all kinds of things, but I, I, I like making it look like it has all kinds of trees. Um, and they added a, a Christmas market to it in the winter and there was snow falling and you had Christmas yeah. quests that were mostly just like drinking games and fighting people. Um, <laughs> and then you got Christmas tokens to buy Christmas trees that you could put around. Yeah. Um, and so like stuff like that is, is, is super fun. And um, yeah, they, they've brought back a lot of the, they've, they've brought back some of the RPG elements to it. Um, they've kind of streamlined it in one sense and not streamlined it in another sense. The weapons and armor, I think is a little more streamlined. Um, you're, you have fewer of them that you're getting. It actually kind of feels a little bit more like origins odyssey. You would get lots of weapons and stuff all the time. I felt Mm -hmm. like, and you'd like dismantle them and stuff. And I feel like I'm not really doing that in this one. You kind of get like a few, you're kind of building up a few different sets and then you kind of like upgrade them over time, like depending on what you want them to do a little bit. 
Um, but then with your abilities, it's like the full on Skyrim, like here's a thousand constellations. Now spider web your way out from the center to like, get to, like you, like there's lots of like little bonuses along the way. That's just like, you know, plus whatever to your range damage or plus whatever to your range damage. But then you get to like uh, a nexus and that will be like an ability, right? Uh, like an actual, like new ability that you can do. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a smaller game. It's a more concentrated game, but I don't think it, it feels like less of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you, if you certainly, if you enjoyed the last two iterations of Assassin's Creed, I think that this is just continuing to evolve it and is very, very good. It is a gorgeous game. Like it looks fantastic. Um, I still just like stop sometimes and, and just like, stand on top of a hill and look around because it just mm-hmm. looks so good. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think my, my, my biggest issue with the last two and the reason why I bounced off of them origins, I stuck with a little bit longer, but Odyssey, I kind of bounced off of pretty quickly. Um, and by pretty quickly, I mean like 15 ish hours in, which is still a good chunk of time. Um, but I think what I found is just they, they start you slow, but they, they eventually just like throw so much stuff at you, especially in Odyssey that I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm, I'm presented so many options, which is, you you know, I I was 40 hours into the game. Um, and I was introduced to a new, like mechanic and like meta goal. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I played (laughs) a game already and there's still, it was like a tutorial that popped up. I was like, any tutorials still 40 hours into this game what yeah. the hell yeah yeah so so i think that that's one of the reasons why i i, I bounced off of that title the way i did also i i think you know the, the, there's something to be said about doing the assassin's creed version of like here's the map there's a million question marks on it and doing the breath of the wild where it's just like there's the landscape there's nothing on it figure it out and I think I would rather the the latter than the former because I'm just like so overwhelmed by the, like, oh, what should I be doing? Where should I be going? Am I going to miss stuff? Whereas whereas with something like Breath of the Wild, it's just like I can just explore how I want to explore this and engage with this how I want to engage with this. Uh, again, during our Game of the Year episode, we talked about games being snackable. And yes, Assassin's Creed, I think, can be snackable because you can just sort of like jump in, do a mission and then back out. Yeah. But it's not but it's not something I can put down for a month and then come back to, you know, because then I'm just like, where was I? What was I doing? What do my abilities do again? Um, whereas I could go back to something like uh, Magic the Gathering or, you know, Rainbow Six. and I'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, I have a general gist of like how this works and I can play a match in 30 minutes to an hour and I can walk away, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why I've, I've struggled to sort of stay invested in, in the Assassin's Creed franchise, but everything you said has me somewhat hopeful that, that this might be a version for me, which I've said with the last two, and it hasn't been the case. So I mean, we'll see. This is still like an open world game. Like it's still a big map and you're walking around through the wilderness and then performing quests and stuff. But I, I, I think you're right. Like I, I, I think that one of the things that really, um, one of the things that made it a little hard to enjoy Odyssey was because there wasn't that super strong central thread of like, this is what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Um, apart from like the killing the, you know, killing all the, the all cultists the, or whatever, all the cultists. Um, yeah. Like 
I would definitely just turn the game on after a few weeks or something and look around and be like, I don't even know. I'd have to look at the map. I don't even know where the fuck I am right now. Like, and I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my goals are, but there's not that like central thing that keeps you coming back. Whereas with, um, with Valhalla, I would come back and you can like, there is, there's, there is that one strong, like central thread of like, this is like overall what you're trying to accomplish right now. Right. Yes. You can go off and do all these other things, but this is the thing. This is the thing you need to look at. And it's like, oh, okay. And I could just like, even if I was like, even if last time I was kind of like working on random stuff, if I don't remember what I was doing last time, I can just like come back, come back to center a little bit mm. um, in, in that game. And even then, like there's not a ton. I think, I don't know if we've talked about this before, um, but there's no, there's no side quests in Valhalla. Um, we, we've talked about this off mic. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show though. So, so I'll explain it. There are no side quests in Valhalla, which seems weird because there totally are. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is that they are not added to your um, like list of quests that you have to do. Right. Um, so, cause what would happen in an Odyssey or whatever? I mean, not just Odyssey, any RPG. Um, I've, I've heard that actually that 2077 has a real problem with this of just like loading quests into your, into your backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of feeling overwhelming and Valhalla decided the devs decided to not do that. Um, and so when you have a side quest or I think they're referred to as mysteries, um, it's not added. Uh, so what it means is that there is this limitation that the devs put on themselves to when they designed these side quests, which is that the side quest had to be completable like basically within sight of the person who gave it to you. So you talk to a farmer and they give you a quest. The The next step of that quest has to like literally be in sight or like near enough that you can reasonably search for it without actually getting like a map ping or having it in a list with like, a you know, your, your journal entry with description kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, there was, um, I, I walked by and, and two people, like there's there's like some kids just like on the side of the road talking and and then i could hear like some shouting in a farmhouse nearby and the thing is there's no prompt even to talk to those kids um i just listened to them and they're like oh mom and dad are arguing again i think it's about the neighborhood but i didn't talk to them i didn't engage with them like it wasn't like a, oh now we're face to face and we're right. doing the dialogue options like i just heard that and i was just like well well, I'll go see. And so I walked over to the farmhouse and listened to them. And like one was arguing about how the neighbor was like fucking around with them. And I was like, okay. And I walked over to the neighbor and I listened to that. And like, at no point did I actually press a, to talk to any of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they were arguing over this grain silo and how like, you know, my grain silo is just mine. It's my grain. I work for it. Well, I paid for the silo, whatever. And they were mm-hmm. getting mad at each other. And I'm just like, pulled out a fire arrow exploded the grain silo, which I don't know if that was supposed to be the solution, but they're just like, Oh no, we're screwed. And like, they, they had this whole conversation, but they're like, well, fuck it, this, I guess it's all gone. I guess we have to work together now. And I'm just like, problem solved and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and like another time there was this priest by a house, um, like on the side of the road or whatever in the middle of a farm. And he's just talking about, he's like, he's like, I'm a, like, I'm a man of God. I'm a man of peace. You cannot, 
you know, no one, he, it's like, he's meditating. He's like, no one, no one can trouble me. I do not have any earthly desires. It does not matter. And I was just like, I was like, okay, whatever. And I was just, I was actually just running around his house doing the classic RPG. Like why I'm going to take all the silver that you've put in your various mm-hmm. jars um, thing. And, and he just kept talking. He's just like, and, and in the background, again, he's just talking and I don't interact with him. He's just like, even if you lit my house on fire, I would not react. And I went, even if I lit your house on fire. <laughs> and so I did. And I, I like got it. I pulled out an arrow and I walked over to his campfire and lit the head on fire and lit his house on fire. He's just like, nope. And, and the conversation advanced. Like mm-hmm. he had just been like on a loop in his conversation, you know, just like background, not NPC shit. And yeah. then I lit his house on fire and he's just like, nope, doesn't bother me. Even if we <laughs> killed all my pigs, I wouldn't care. And I went, well, guess I'm going to go pill- testing me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to go kill, kill those pigs. And we did it and we did it and we did that. And it turns out this, like this monk who is like totally whatever. It got to a point where like I got into his house and he has this, like, like he was a m- m- like murderer. And he had this like house love horrors inside where he hung people up. And I was just like, and then I talked to him and he's just like, what are you doing in there? And I'm just like, you're not a man of God. You you're like, you're doing all this stuff. And he's just like, fuck it. And like, and it was a boss battle. It was like this mini boss battle I had where I had to oh, like wow. murder this dude who was like this monk who had like dual axes and like, like it, it like multi step health bar boss battle thing just out of nowhere that if i hadn't like listened to him i'd have just walked past it mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff is what the game is full of and it's interesting pretty cool because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of mysteries like it tells you how many mysteries are in an area so you kind of have an idea of like how complete you are um but it definitely feels super organic the way that you interact with all this stuff you're not just yeah. going in odyssey you'd go to literally like a board, a job board for mercenaries. And you just go click, 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 mm-hmm. click, click, and just add them all to your backlog. But you don't do that in this game. Yeah. That, that, that sounds very reminiscent of um, what people really loved about the Witcher three is just sort of stumbling upon a lot of, yeah. you know, uh, organic quests like that or side quests where they're not necessarily clearly marked, but you would just sort of, you know, ride past someone and, and, and you would spiral in, into this whole narrative about like, Oh, you know, uh, there's a ghost that that that's been plaguing our town, and we don't necessarily know why. And it's like, oh well, it turns out they were you know betrothed to so and so, and got you know betrayed on their wedding night, yeah. blah blah. And like, you never would have done that if you'd like had only used the fast travel system and had never gone down that one specific road, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so it sounds it sounds cool. It sounds like they they've learned some some good lessons uh, from or borrowed lessons from, from other games. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I might have to check it out when it, when it goes on sale one of these days, or who knows, maybe it'll come to something like Game Pass. Um, so uh, the thing I want to talk about really quick uh, is Stardew Valley. Uh, I won't spend too much time on this because because I know we have one other game that we want to talk about. Um, but Stardew Valley just had a huge update, um, and by all accounts, it sounds like they've added quite a number of end game things that you could do. They've added a new starting farm. Um, there's a, apparently a lot of new secrets that, that, that uh, you know, longtime players can, can dig into and explore. Um, the thing though, that got me back to Stardew Valley after already spending, you know, 200 hours with it, messing around with a bunch of mods to, to make my, my perfect capitalist farm hellscape with all these automated machines and, uh, you know, whatever else. Um, the thing that got me back to it is that I've been trying to find a game that my partner and I can play on the couch. And she really has, you know, she struggles with like um, dual 
analog stick games, right? Anything that requires a camera because it's not what she grew up utilizing. We, we've talked about this before. So I've been looking for 2D stuff and they put out this update for Stardew Valley. And the, the key thing that they added was local couch multiplayer. And so they'd had online multiplayer up to this point and it essentially functions the exact same way where you as the is host... Is it split screen or is it? It is. It is um, split screen. So, screen. Okay. so, so the 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 split goes um, vertically down your screen, and, and you're, you're each playing on either the left or right hand side of the screen, and it actually works quite well. Obviously, like things are kind of like you know shrunken down or sort of zoomed out a bit, but um, it works really, really seamlessly. Like, like I, I boot into the farm, and there I am, John, in my little cabin. I push start on the controller. You, you go through character creation once, it saves, and then you bring in your, your friend on the couch with you you know every time. And, and I imagine you can have multiple cabins and, and, and whatnot, and you sort of set that when you um, make your, your new farm. And so that came out, and we've been just like going ham on that game. Like I think we've already sunk like, you know, you know probably 10 plus hours into it, and, and we only play it like a little bit on the weekend. Um, and on top of that, all of the mods have been updated with this new expansion. So things like Stardew Valley Expanded, which is a user community-made mod, which adds new NPCs, new locations, total reworks of locations, um, is is something that, that we've been digging into as well. And it's, and it's really made the game fresh and exciting. Um, and, and just the fact that I can share that with someone who has never experienced Stardew Valley is so, so special because here i am I've just, never experienced stardew valley john oh geez, why don't you share why don't you share with me mm-hmm. um we could do that online that is that is the thing that the internet allows us to do but like so here i am being like okay we need to min max the spring we need to get as much money as we can because come summer i'm buying corn i'm buying sprinklers because <laughs> because corn is a two-season crop david it doesn't wilt at the end of summer. It carries over to fall. That's a two-season crop. That's so much value. I'm going to get the special fertilizer that I put down that increases the rate at which the the, the you know the corn grows. So I get new corn faster and, and this and that. And she's just like, oh, look, there's a little heart over, over the, the chicken when you pet it. And I'm just like, this is special. This is so special. Like, I, I, love, I love that we can have both... Um, you know, sort of, sort of sides of that experience. You know, the, the, these, these, the scale of of the Stardew Valley experience. I'm over here being like, let's min max because I want to, I want to get the greenhouse built by the winter because I, I got to make sure we're we're making as much fucking money as possible and we're we're hitting all all those key like gamer checklists. And she's just like, I'm 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 gonna go fish. I'm gonna go fish for a bit. And I'm just like. This is great. I, I love that this game can be all things for all people. And, and I'm very excited that we can do it together on the couch in the same game and with all of the fun, cool mods that, that the community has built around it. So it's it's very much a, a city builder-esque game. Um, sort but of. Can you, can you fail the game? Like you, if you, you don't make enough crops for winter, it's uh, not like... You're just you're just inefficient. You you cannot. There is absolutely no fail state in Stardew Valley, and it's one of the okay. things that I love about it. Because because I remember going in being like, oh shoot, do I have to make a certain amount of money? Do I have to like sell a certain amount of crops? But before like, I'm thinking about my experience with Banished, and you can fucking fail that. Game. <laughs> in fact, mostly that's what you do until you've played enough of it. 
Yeah, because I, I was thinking back to Harvest Moon, where like your your dad or your grandpa comes back and like judges you based on like how well you've done for the for the first couple of years. Um, and but but this is just like, oh well, you, you didn't like check everything off your list this season. There's always next year. Um, That's nice. Yeah, That's it, nice. it's it's a really really chill, fun experience. So so I highly recommend if you haven't checked out Stardew Valley or if you played it when it first released. Go back and check it out again. Play it with your your partner or your kids on the couch. Like it, it's it's a ton of fun. Taylor uh, in the chat is saying um, he's 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 never he's never done the do. He's Sorry. never experienced the do. So yeah. Taylor, I have also never. Should we? Should blindly, you do the do? Should we blindly fa- flail our way through some like initial co op Stardew? There you go. I, I, I think I'm I'm th- I'm seeing a new. Uh, running uh show for the dry runs live streams on wednesdays run. yeah the dry uh, run the the bountiful run it's not gonna be dry on that farm it's gonna mm-hmm. be <laughs> yeah actually uh, should we do that taylor we're just gonna have a desert farm <laughs> <laughs> only um, the driest crops spoilers there's a desert area um anyways um the big game that i think we want to talk about uh this week uh david is uh another game that came out seven years ago uh yeah i think it's 2013 yeah yeah uh, company of heroes 2 um which full disclosure is a relic entertainment property um and uh i know before the holidays you were kind of like hey guys i'm playing a lot of company of heroes 2 you know just like digging into it again you know now that i'm on the team and you know you know whatever you know we're obviously age of empires 4 is coming out and and you know you've been tooling around with some of that stuff but but uh Company of Heroes 2, I think, had a soft spot, soft spot in your heart. Um, I mean, the, the the Company of Heroes series, uh, like I've been a fan of it since it first came out. That's one of the reasons right. why I like Relic is like I, yeah. I mean, Dawn of War as well. If we're being totally honest here, Dawn of War and Company of Heroes, I just really love, really love me some RTS games, and I love me some Warhammer and World War II RTS games. Yeah. So, so, so. Company the, Heroes. So the the Warhammer franchise is one that I probably have the least experience with, and um, I am a sucker for World War II media. I, I again, like on the show, I've critiqued representations of the military in a number of media and games, but boy, am I a sucker for you know the U.S. and the Brits taking it to some some German Nazis, um, and and the, and, and the just, moral just, just, lines are a little bit more clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> compared to some modern military games. Yeah, so so obviously you you've, you talk about this game quite a bit. I see you streaming it all the time, and I was like, eh, maybe I should give this a try. Maybe I should you know, jump into this with Dave and, and and see how it goes. And you know, I'll give it to you. Like, even though this this RTS is seven years old, I am having a blast uh, playing through it. Like, I've done some some online skirmish, skirmishes with you and and Taylor in the chat, and, and some of your other friends. Uh, I just finished the main story campaign which is a soviet campaign there was an american expansion called uh the arden assault um uh, so I'm, I've, I've just started that and i'm working my way through it um so so let's let's kind of get into it david like like just like top level what is company of heroes 2 and why did you want to talk about it this week um so company of heroes 2 is uh like we said it's an rts it's a world war ii based uh rts or world war ii themed rts um which I, the campaign, I guess, follows the, uh, for company of heroes Two anyway, follows the Russians, um, 
starting at Stalingrad, sort Mm -hmm. of, I guess, kind of starting at Stalingrad and like their fight all the way back to Berlin. Um, But a lot of what I play in that game is, uh, is just like the online skirmish. Um, It is, it is a game where, you know, you have, well, the factions as they stand now are um, the Russians, the Americans, the British, um, and then two German factions, the Wehrmacht, which is the um, like the Eastern front um, German army, and then the Oberkommando West. So that mm-hmm. they kind of came out with Ardennes assault uh, with the Americans and Ardennes assault. Right. Um, and God, one of the things that I, like if you were to compare it to something like a Starcraft, um, it is slower paced in a way. Um, you have much lower unit counts. You're typically not grouping up or kind of like mobbing your units in any way um, because you're building squads of units. And it's a game that focuses a lot more on positioning and overall strategy. And I mean... <laughs> seems like such a dumb thing to say an RTS focuses on strategy. Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, it's, it is a lot about, uh, positioning and not just like the unit composition and stuff. Um, your resource and your economy is based on points across the map that you're capturing as opposed to like a, like a base, like kind of farming generation sort of a thing. Um, so you're encouraged to go out into the map and actually like attack each other and, and, and like game control. There's a lot of back and forth and map control that happens in these games. Um, health count or like squad health is relatively high in this game. So getting something like, like actually fully killing a squad is actually a pretty big deal in this game Mm. um, because it costs a lot to build them and you don't have many of them to begin with. And so you actually have a retreat function. You can press a button and they'll, your guys will just peace out and go all the way back to the base. uh, So you can build them up again and send them out because they gain veterancy as you use them. So you, they become more and more effective and gain more abilities as they're on the field. Um, and it has a lot of relationships that I think you don't often see in a lot of RTSs. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk about Starcraft again, but like when it comes to like, they have things like shields and, and armor values in Starcraft, but if you have enough Marines, they will chip away at a Colossus, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. If you have enough Marines, they, you know, Zerglings, they will take down a, a siege tank. Um, an M1 Garand will not hurt a Panzer IV. <laughs> it just like it won't happen. They will sit there and they will plunk away at the Panzer IV and it will not kill them. So like you have to you really have to have this like um varied, I guess, army that that is taking into account like all of the different things that you will need to account for them. There's kind of this almost chess like kind of back and forth. Okay, I'm gonna move here with this squad. Well, I'm gonna move here. Now you move here and now we're and you're kind of mm-hmm. like moving around a little bit. And it um just a super rewarding experience overall. All the yeah. factions play very differently. Yeah. Is another that, thing. I, I think um, just to jump in on that, like that, that was the thing that really interested me. I, th- I think I was watching you stream it on the dry run and, and I started asking a lot of questions about like, Oh, like, like, you know, how important is positioning? And it turns out very important. And like, there is this whole rock, paper, scissors aspect to all of the units where um, like you said, like, Infantry won't necessarily be able to do anything to armored units unless they have anti-tank, tank, anti-tank weapons, right? And and so so you have uh, have to 
eventually learn and understand how all the units interact with each other. Like, oh, mortars are very good at hitting exposed infantry, but, you know, a little bit less um, uh, capable against, again, armored or moving units, right? Especially units that can move quickly. Um, And, you know, like something like an uh, an anti-tank gun manned by a small crew can decimate a tank if utilized properly and positioned properly, you know, and, and, um, but if it's not positioned properly, (laughs) yeah, yeah, they have a firing arc. And if you just come around the firing arc, they are completely exposed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like pay attention to where your units are. Yeah. So, so I think like, as I started to dig into that a little bit more, I was just like, Oh, like, (sighs) and you mentioned how all the factions are very different and they'll have similar units, but a lot of them, function in very different ways or have different abilities or capabilities at their disposal so when i was looking at it i was just like this really feels like learning something like a dota 2 all over again where you know you have over i'm not sure what the numbers are but like maybe over 100 units 100 abilities you know and and then you have all these like sub variants where each time you go into a battle let's say as as the americans you can pick a commander which will give you other different sort of like global skills that you can utilize and there are a whole array of different commanders that are possible for each faction even though you only equip three as you go in so it the 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 level of complexity is i i don't want to say it's off-putting but like like when when i at first i was like oh geez but then like as as i deep learning curve but but like but like as i dug into it i was just like oh there's a lot here for me to unpack and I actually got excited about it because just just sort of being at, at the the starting point of that journey really reminded me of being at the starting point of my journey with Dota where I was sort of saying like okay I know this is fun I, I'm kind of getting a hang for just like how this controls and feels but there is still like this very uh, slow climb that I'm going to make as I learn more and more and more about how these units interact how the different abilities are utilized, their strengths and weaknesses, um, and and just all of that um, is is super fun and uh, uh, you know challenging and, and and again there's just a lot to sink your teeth into there. Um, and I, I have been having a lot of fun sort of doing those those online skirmishes with, with you and some of our friends. You know we'll have we'll just do like a comp stomp where we have a bunch of hard AI that we'll play against. Uh, I think the competitive scene, multiplayer scene, might might be a little bit uh, fierce these days, um, considering that it's probably only the diehards uh, still out there playing. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just been a really interesting learning this RTS from from seven years ago that I still think is really compelling. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, the, the other thing that I found interesting is that I could transfer a lot of my ingrained and institutional knowledge from something like Dota to Company of Heroes. So whether that's microing, um, shift queuing commands, so basically stacking commands on top of each other, mm-hmm. um, you know, map positioning, map awareness, all, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's really fun getting back into an RTS I, I, you know, as much as I am right now, um, I, I think I've already sunk like 30 plus hours into it and I've only been playing it since like just before Christmas. Yeah. And, and like, you're right. There is, there's so much to sink your teeth into and, and learn and kind of, you know, recently I've been looking at the, I've been watching some videos on, you know, um, fans are like ranking the commanders, you know, S tier, A tier, B kind of a thing. And so I've, I've gone and equipped kind of new commanders that I don't normally equip. And so that's now changed how I'm playing some of these, um, some of these factions. Right. Um, 
but even then, like, even though there's all these abilities and all these units and all these kinds of things, it is a World War II game. Like, it's based based on reality, right? Even though there's a lot to learn, it's not hard to conceptually understand that a frag grenade isn't going to do much to a panther, right? Yeah. Like, that's, you know, you, 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 can, you can apply some real-world logic to the things that are going on there. And so, like, okay, I... I'm, I'm being attacked by vehicles. What should I do? Well, I go to my production building and click the click the unit that says anti-tank gun. Yeah, yeah. That's the one probably that I want to have. And, yeah. And of course, I, I, using that effectively, you know, takes takes practice and, and takes knowledge. But, like, that you can apply some, like, real knowledge or real logic to it with, without, um, without being... Um, feeling like you're too overwhelmed. You know, you have, you know, an HMG, which has, you know, a, a, a wide firing arc or kind of like this angled firing arc. Um, well, I, you know, probably if I put this HMG in a building that's overlooking a bridge, you know, that's probably going to be fairly effective. Any infantry mm-hmm. that tries to push over that bridge, they're going to get suppressed, which means they lay on the ground and they move really slow. And, and the only way, if they get suppressed for long enough, they'll get pinned. And the only way to get unpinned is by forcing them to retreat. Again, you're not right. killing them, but you're just denying an area mm-hmm. to to a whole bunch of infantry by doing that. At which point, they will probably build a tank or a mortar <laughs> or whatever to try to like get your HMG out of that building. You have that back and forth relationship kind of moving all the time throughout the game. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so I think that it it has been fun learning this game with with you and our other friends and just even on my own just like going through a lot of the campaign and and a lot of the, like they even have like challenge missions like there's a whole host of like yeah. DLC and extra content that that obviously has come out in the 7 and years community since the created game. maps. Community community created maps like there's there's a lot there's there. There's a lot of maps created uh, there's, by the community. <laughs> there there's a lot of game there um so so if you can get it in a steam sale i highly recommend that um also it's on game pass, it's on game pass. um I, I think that the only downside to that is there is not cross play between um game pass and mm, steam that's right uh which we sort of figured out um uh taylor asks or sorry ted asks are there any meme worthy maps absolutely there is yeah there was there was play, one you can play wake island from battlefield <laughs> i know somebody made that yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there's some there, good ones there's that, definitely meme maps for the, sure the, there, there, there was one meme commanders if we're being real here oh, yeah some, some uh, of them are pretty memey um the, there was one taylor and i played the other night where we thought it was a really big map but it was real small and like our artillery <laughs> and not, not not just our artillery but like our anti-tank or like mortars could like go from one side to the other and it was just like super tiny choke point and it was it was a little bit silly but um there's um there's there's one commander um that has because so when you call down uh artillery or like an airstrike ability um it'll actually drop flares at the area which you know just gives the other player like some amount of warning that they're about to have a shitload of artillery dropped on them um but there are a couple commanders that have decoy artillery, so it'll just drop flares, but nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you can fuck with people in big like three v three or four v four games. It, like, you just like you drop a couple decoy ones and a real one, and they mm-hmm. don't know which where which direction they should move their guys in. Well, well, there's there's even a, an American unit that does that, right? It's the major, yeah. right, who can fake yeah. an artillery barrage. Um, I, and again, like I've never really utilized it. Cause I'm like, oh, well, the AI doesn't care if I'm faking an artillery. Barrage, yeah. Against right? AI, like, it's rough, but against people like you, yeah, yeah. you don't want your guys to sit there during an artillery barrage. They'll get absolutely blown apart. And so you can, again, this is like part of this back and forth of just like, I just want to, 
I don't necessarily need to kill people. I just need to move people out of an area so that I can move into an area. And it's all about like movement and like securing territory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, it's, I, I, I should have listened to you sooner and, and dove into company of heroes too a long time ago. Cause, cause yeah, I'm, I'm having a ton of fun with it. I, I imagine I'll probably spend more time with it. Uh, like I said, I still have to get through some of those expansions and, and just like, Changing scenarios, changing the factions that you're utilizing, changing that the the opponents that you're up against is is all super fun. So so yeah, I, I don't know. Is there, is there anything that you want to wrap up with? Um, I would say this is just a full on plug, but <laughs> Company of Heroes One is available on mobile now. Um, it's also, I mean, it's been available on Steam forever, and if you either uh pick that up, um or want to pick it up like in a steam sale or something like that. I highly recommend it. I think that um, like that's an even older game at this point. It came out in 2005, I think. Um, But it um, it's, it's campaigns still hold up in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's a very solid campaign. That one uh, company heroes two focuses. The storyline focuses on uh, the Eastern front in Russia. Company of heroes one focuses initially on um, the, uh, the invasion of Normandy uh, as the main campaign, but then also includes campaigns on operation market garden um, as well as actually a a few um, smaller, like very small kind of like bite-sized campaigns uh, like Filet's Pocket. And um, there's one called, uh, oh my God, what's it called? Uh Uh-oh. But basically you control one unit and you control a tiger tank in in Germany. And it's just a sing, you control this single unit and you upgrade it and you have um, various abilities and stuff. And like you actually move it around with your mouse and you control the turret with your mouse pointer. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually like this single unit that you're, that you're controlling and upgrading and stuff as you go through the campaign. So like, there's a whole bunch of like campaign content in company of heroes one uh, as well. That's super fun to play through. And, awesome. and if you haven't done that, I, I, and are looking for, you know, a strategy game to play, I, I think it, definitely holds up tales of valor that's the that's the one that has um some right. of the smaller campaigns cool awesome oh, sorry last thing I, I know i've made like a million comparisons to dota 2 but like <laughs> when, when i was looking at each individual uh unit i was just like oh this is like a dota hero it's like they have their abilities that i have to learn and yeah. figure out how to utilize it's not just zerg go here attack this you know like like there are different things that i, I mean obviously like Units in, in StarCraft also had abilities as well, but but it was just something that like it had been a bit since I'd I'd really gotten into an RTS. So 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 being like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I get this. I I see what you're putting down. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board. Um. Anyway, I think I think that's it. Company Heroes too. It's a lot of fun. Um. Anyways, David, let's uh, maybe do some uh, non-gaming recommendations. I know it's get running late. Another typical John and David podcast where we go real long. Turns out we just, you know, we just, it's really important, I think, that we you know, have these <laughs> that we discuss this and we just, and, you know, we talk just about talk. this right now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really feel like we need to talk about this, you know, and it's good. People should see it, should check out that meme about podcasters not talking about anything for 20 minutes. Um, so, uh, not giving recommendations. Mine this week is uh, the new Apple uh, TV show, Ted Lasso, starring uh, Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis? Sudeikis? I, I never know how to pronounce his name. Um, Sudeikis, I think is correct. Probably. Um it's it's really funny. It is about a an American college football coach going to the UK 
to coach like a premier league um, soccer team, football team. Right. Um, and so it, it is very much a fish out of water story. Um, it is definitely a, a comedy for adults. You know, they cuss a lot and it has adult themes at times, but the thing that I found really fascinating about the show and, and the thing that I loved about it and what kept me wanting to, to, to watch episode to episode is it has a real earnestness to it. The character that the, the, the title character, Ted Lasso is so positive and so gee golly shucks and like is like always you know just very much like looking on the bright side of life and just being like you know you know i I might not be the best person for this job but i i know people and i know players and and we're we're gonna go out there and give it give it our all and and again like all these people want him to fail and everyone in in the town is calling him like a wanker and like an asshole and he's just like gonna gonna ruin the franchise and he's just like thanks for coming out you know he's just like he's super positive he's just like and 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 not only that, but like the show is also written very very well. That there is an arc uh, for a lot of the characters, and, and there is growth and change. And um, I, but but like just the the mood of the show was a a, a, a great bomb for for the for the end of twenty twenty, um, and, and was just really delightful and just like really charming and heartwarming. Um, and uh, you know there, there are some sad moments, but but some really um, uplifting moments. I, I think it is it, it is a show that has multitudes, but but it is also just at its core like very sweet, very wholesome, and again like very very earnest. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend checking out Ted Lasso. So when you I saw this was on the list, and I I just quickly uh, googled it because I hadn't heard of it before. Um, and the description just the description for it basically says, yeah, that he's, he's, you know, a football coach that has no experience with this, whatever. And he's making it work in my head. I just assumed con man, right? right? Because that would be the typical take on that is that he's like lying about not being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, good enough to do this. And that no. he's like trying to trick everybody for whatever fucking he owes money to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, that the, would be the, the, this, this is, this is a character who is even Swan like, starring in that movie for some yeah. reason. Like, 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 <laughs> like, like this is a character who is honest to a fault. And, and again, it is just like, he just wants everyone to like do their best and, and like be the best versions of themselves. Right. And like, like even if, it, if he's the, the brunt of the joke every, every time. And, and, and again, it's just like, it has a lot of heart. Um, really, really recommend people check it out. I, I've definitely trended more towards like pretty positive shows mm-hmm. lately. I mm-hmm. think like, like now one of, one of my favorite shows, I haven't actually watched it in a bit now that I think about it, but like the good place is one of mm-hmm. them. The good place yep. is also like, it's funny because they actually deal with a lot of like pretty heavy shit sometimes, but mm-hmm. they're, they're always like trying to like come back to this like nice feeling, right? It, it's just generally, generally positive, not quite so like, you know, mid two thousands sarcastic, basically, <laughs> yeah. which I feel like is a lot of shows. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, David, do you have anything that uh, you want to recommend before we? Uh, I, I mean, I've been I've been watching some I've been watching some shows. I've been reading a book. I don't know that I'd recommend them though. <laughs> I'm so the book I'm reading is one of the new Star Wars books. It's called Alphabet Squadron. And John, when I mentioned that the other day, you went, and that was kind of my reaction because Alphabet Squadron 
is a dumb name. It's a bad name. (laughs) It's a dumb name for a book and it's a dumb name for a squadron. And I'm reading it because like the, I, I finally looked at the description and the description basically is trying to make it out to be the new sequel, like the new, um, X-Wing book. Right. 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 Like, like how the expanded universe used to have like the rogue squadron novels. Well, this is, this is supposed to be like the new version of that. And it's called alphabet squadron. And, um, because guess what guys, I don't know if you knew this, but the rebel ships all have letters and if you just have a squad, usually it would be like a squadron of X wings or a squadron of Y wings, but this has an A wing, a B wing, an X wing, a Y wing and a U wing. So it's alphabet squadron. I gotcha. Get it. Yeah. Um, it's a, getting past the name. It's actually pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. The, the problem, um, the problem that I have with it is like, and I've pretty recently, like I think it was over the summer, I read a bunch of the X-Wing books, but the problem that I have with this book and a bunch of them is that I haven't found a book yet that describes the space combat in the same way that the old X-Wing books did. Right. Right. A lot of the space battles in this book still, you know, I banked left and then shot him and he died. Yeah. Right. You, you, and what, I, what, that's what, the extent what, that you get. Yeah. What we're looking for is Tom Clancy's X-Wing. I want Tom Clancy's X-Wing. <laughs> that's what I want. And that's like a lot, like they kind of, the X-Wing novels kind of like after their like fifth or sixth one kind of lost the thread and mm-hmm. kind of got up their own asses a bit with like the wild things the characters were doing. Yeah. But the first few books are very good. Like they're talking like, you know, going into depth about like, I bank this way. And then the yeah. target, and like you can, you can, they shot for shot describe in the book what the fight is. And you can replay the, you can imagine the fight in your mind, like all the movements, all the shots you can imagine in your mind because they describe it all in your mind. But that's really like, it doesn't, I don't get that feeling out of these books, despite the, the actual overall plot is, is somewhat interesting. Like I, like I'm actually enjoying that, but it's not like quite scratching that itch. Like I had hoped it would be also in the book there they're uh guess what john they're they're a ragtag group of misfits that doesn't really get along at first and they don't say come together before the big fight before (laughs) and so you know there's stuff like that and 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 they're not even they're called alphabet squadron by the other squadrons as a joke because all of everybody else also thinks it's dumb <laughs> that they're a bunch of different because they're like, you guys understand that a wings uh, and Y wings fly at vastly different speeds. So it's really hard to work together. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, as a joke, call them alphabet squadron because it's a dumb name, but then they just decide to own it and call themselves alphabet squadron, except that it's still a dumb name. today. <laughs> um, so, T- anyway. Ted, yeah, Ted in the chat says, "I'd love a children's book with each page a letter of the alphabet, as as in I is for, I for I have the high ground, you know." Yes, I kind of butchered that delivery, but thank you, Ted. That was that was a very good job. I is for I have the high ground. D is for don't try it. Um, <laughs> um interesting, cool. Uh, you'll have to give us your your final verdict on that once you uh, once you yeah, finish that when, up. Once I once I'm done it, I'll tell you all if it was worth it, but. <laughs> Like to, to be fair, like I, like I'm, I'm not struggling through the book. It, it, it's, it's an easy read and it it is a fun read. It's just when I went in hoping for X-Wing, it's not that 
So, I mean, like you're, you're talking to the guy who probably read like 30 to 40 star Wars novels when I was a teen, early twenties. Like I I'm, I'm, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not that it yeah. makes me sad. Yeah. Um, anyways, folks, I think that's going to do it for this, uh, again, extended shelf games podcast. Uh, you know, sometimes we take a week off, so we, we got to make up for it. Um, so, uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, if you want to tell us, uh, why alphabet squadron is actually a good name for a star Wars book, a great place to do that, uh, is the shelf games discord. Uh, you can also take that hill to die on. (laughs) (laughs) You can also send us email shelf games at gmail.com. And of course we do the show live, uh, usually Sundays or Mondays, uh, stay tuned. I always, uh, try to announce it in the discord, uh, and we try and shoot for about 6 PM Pacific time to go live and do that. Uh, and please check out the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or just check out shellgames.com. Uh, subscribe on your platform of choice. Leave us a rating and review if you can. That really helps us out. Uh, but more than that, tell your friends about the show, get them to come in here and watch it live or get them to download uh, the show or watch the VOD on YouTube or Twitch, twitch.tv slash shellgames. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at uh, John underscore tab. Uh, the show is at shellgames. Uh, and again, just search for us on uh, YouTube and uh, Twitch with uh, shellgames. Uh, music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, David, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's probably where I'm the most uh, active at, at David Mlin. Um, Yeah, it's going to be mostly, like I, I say this every time, it's going to be mostly pictures of my dog, Garrus. Um, so if you're, if you're into just like getting videos of, of, of a real sleepy golden retriever. That's, that's what you're going to get by following me. Premium golden retriever content. Um, Last thing I want to mention, folks, is we just announced the date for our next Warzone in-house community night. That is going to be Saturday, February 13th. Um, So this will be the third time that we've done it. And those have always been a ton of fun. Uh, So download Warzone on your platform of choice. Hop into the Discord um, so you can get all the details. And uh, we're going to start that at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And remember, everybody, you can download just Warzone. You mm-hmm. don't have to download the whole thing. <laughs> Still takes a whole hard drive, but you can only download Warzone if you want. Um, anyways, th- those have been a ton of fun. I think we've been getting more and more people involved. Uh, usually we just have very casual um, squad games, and then we get an in-house lobby going once we have 24, 24 players. Um, I think this time we're going to try and come up with some more silly rules for, for the matches, um, just so we have a little bit more fun and it's a little bit less try-hardy. Um, but yeah, uh, be there uh, February 13th on the Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Um, that's it, David. Thanks so much for, for spending your evening with me again. Greatly appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Uh, and folks, that is going to be it for us, us tonight. So uh, you know what to do. Until next time, uh, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. We'll see you soon.